Father, we are here. And we have come for all kinds of reasons. We have come in all kinds of mental and emotional states. And yet ultimately we have come because you have invited and drawn us here. And so, Father, we ask today that you speak to each one of us from your word. We pray that you encourage, that you guide, that you lead us, that you show us your grace and your kindness for us today and always. Amen. So we're in a Ruth series. We're going to read a little bit of chapter one and all of chapter two, but I want to review just a little bit where we've been to help us step into this text well. And then I'm going to kind of give away the ending actually and tell you the the big point that we're focusing on today. So Ruth starts with the family of Elimelech, with Elimelech and Naomi leaving Bethlehem, this town whose name means the house of food, and and going off to the fields of Moab because there's a famine in Bethlehem. So so they go off, and they were just going to be there for a little while, but they settle down in Moab in this place outside of the land that God has promised to give his people, to to this place that belongs to another nation. And their kids, their two sons, get married there. They live there for quite a while. And then Elimelech and their two sons pass away. And they're left with Naomi and Orpah and Ruth. And then Naomi hears that back in Bethlehem there is food again. So she decides to go back. And, and on the way, she tries to send her daughters-in-law back. She doesn't, she doesn't feel like she has any kind of future. And she wants them to go and marry other husbands and get on with their lives. And Orpah heads back. But Ruth clings to Naomi and says, no. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. I will die where you die. Your people and your God will be my people and my God. And so Ruth and, Ruth and Naomi get back to Bethlehem. And that's where the text that we're going to read this morning picks up at Ruth chapter 1, verse 19. If you want to grab the Bible in your bench, you're welcome to follow along. You may want to keep it open for the sermon. Otherwise, the words will be on the screen And I said I would give away, I'd kind of give away the ending. And the real point of this passage, and I think of the whole book of Ruth, is that the Lord shows unexpected kindness. The Lord shows unexpected kindness through a harvest and a redeemer. And the question for us is, how do we receive and how do we pass on the kindness of the Lord? With that, let's read. Hear the word of the Lord, beginning at Ruth 1.19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the woman exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem, as the barley harvest was beginning. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? The foreman replied, she is the Moabitess who came back from Moab with Naomi. 
She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Even if she gathers among the sheaves, don't embarrass her. Rather, pull out some stalks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabitess said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go with his girls, because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the servant girls of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. This is the word of the Lord. So a number of years ago, when I was in middle school, I went on a cadet campery. Cadet is our, our boys club here at the church I grew up in also. And it was a, a dual nation, America and Can- or United States and Canada, week-long camp out with a bunch of elementary and middle school boys and a bunch of very saintly men who put up with it for a week. And we went to the Rockies in Alberta, amazing, amazing mountains. We camped in the mountains. We had a tremendous week. And every day you'd have a different activity that your particular group would go on. And one of those activities was, I think, 2,000-mile hike or 12 miles. But it felt like 2,000. You went all the way up a mountain and all the way down. And so the whole week you'd kind of look up at the mountain and you'd see there's the peak of the mountain. And we're going to go up there. And then the day would come, your lucky day, and you would walk all the way up the mountain. So you'd start off with a bit of sense of despair. We're going to walk all day. And then you'd get partway up the mountain, and you'd feel like you'd kind of accomplished something. You were getting somewhere, but oh, man, you were tired. And then you'd get all the way up, and you'd be able to look, look all the way down from where you were. And you could actually see our campsite from the top of the mountain, and you could see all the way you'd come. And there was this amazing view of mountain after mountain after mountain as the Canadian Rockies unfolded in front of you. And it was a tremendous perspective to gain. 
And then we'd head back down, and the way down was a lot better because it was downhill, though we were tired, but it was, it was great. So on the way down, you'd be, you'd be feeling pretty good. And then you'd get back down to, back down to the level of the camp, and, and you'd be at the same level you were before, same place you started, but you could look up at the mountain and you could picture what things looked like from up there. And all of a sudden, even in a place that was beautiful on its own, you realized how much more beauty there was and how you could, how you could just see the mountains going on and on and on. Well, this morning, we're going to take that kind of journey with this text, that we're, we're going to begin at one place, we're going to move through a number of stops on the way to the mountaintop, and then, and then see how things work out from there. But we start with Naomi. We start with dread. We start with, well, with Naomi being bitter and empty. We read these, few, these first few verses from chapter 1 at the end of the sermon a couple weeks ago, and I went back to them because I think we need to know where Naomi is at the beginning of this text. And where Naomi is, is she is bitter and empty. Naomi means something like pleasant, and, and the name she picks for herself, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. I am bitter. I went away full, and I came back empty. And and at this point, Naomi is blaming God. She's saying, God took away my family. God took away everything. And now I am just bitter and empty, and there is nothing left. What do I have to look forward to? Naomi begins this section as, as a very, very negative character. She is angry at God. She is, she is seemingly putting off the people around her. There is nothing good in her life from her perspective. And even, even when Ruth says, I'm going to go out and glean, Naomi's response, it doesn't come through terribly clearly in the translation, but, but Naomi's re- response is very flat. Oh, you're going to go out and get food for us to eat so we don't starve? Okay, I guess if you want to, go ahead. Now, we don't know exactly what Naomi was feeling. She may have been angry. She may have been clinically depressed. She may have, she may have just, just not felt good about where her life was, with good reason. But she was bitter and she was empty. And it's maybe hard to feel this on a wonderful spring day like what we're having, but I would guess that all of us here have had moments, perhaps you're in one now even, where we just feel bitter and empty, like our lives have been emptied out. And and if we're committed to the Lord, then, then we might say, God, why are you allowing this? Why is my life like this? Really this? 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 We have those moments. We have those moments. So that's Naomi. And we're, we're going to work through this text character by character, but we'll come, back to, we'll come back to these characters. So we go from Naomi, and then we go to Ruth. And Ruth, at this point, at the beginning of the text, is a needy outsider. I don't know if you noticed, but there is a lot of Ruth being called a Moabitess. There's even one point where she's the Moabitess from Moab. Ruth the Moabitess. And every time that comes up, that should flag something for us. That is saying, this is Ruth the outsider. This is Ruth, the lady who doesn't belong. This is a person who we should expect not to be here. And this is a person who, who in Ruth's experience at this point, she should expect isolation and rejection. She is living in a very vulnerable position. And yet she needs to eat. And her mother-in-law, who she has all kinds of social obligations to and who she loves deeply, she needs to take care of her. And so she says, I'm going to go out and glean. She's going to go out and put herself in a very vulnerable position, trying to get some food that the harvesters have left behind and just just get together enough that they don't starve. 
Ruth is a truly needy outsider here. And again, I guess, and if you haven't had this experience, you are tremendously lucky, but, but I think most of us have had moments where we are the needy outsider, where we've moved into a new circle and we don't belong, or, or where we're with the same group of people we've always been with, but we you know the center's over there, and, and I'm, always, I'm always on the edge. We all have vulnerable points in our lives when we wonder, how are we going to get through this? How is this going to work? And, and okay, I'm going to step out. I'm going to do what I have to do. But how is all of this going to work? So Naomi is bitter and empty. Ruth is, is a needy outsider who's vulnerable and yet, yet who's taking, taking steps. And then we come to the next character in this text, and we come to Boaz. And Boaz, the, the word used to describe him initially is he's a man of standing. He's, he's someone from the clan of Elimelech related to Naomi, and that, that comes up more as the chapters in Ruth go on. But, but at this point, he's introduced as a man of standing. And that particular word is used in the book of Judges of some truly, truly mighty men, of military leaders, of people who have power to to bring about good things. Boaz is a man of power. But that word is also used in the book of Proverbs, especially at the end, to, to talk about a, a woman of noble character, to talk of someone who is the best neighbor, the best community member, a, a pillar of society, someone who, someone who everyone knows is a good, helpful person with the resources to, that they need and the resources to share. Boaz is introduced here as a mighty man of power. And even the way he greets his workers, it's, it's a little bit of an unusual greeting for the time. It's, the Lord, the Lord be with you. And his workers respond, the Lord bless you. It's, it's not totally out of the ordinary, but it's phrased in a little bit of a different way to emphasize that, that Boaz is a man who has a connection to the Lord God. So we have Naomi, we have Ruth, we have Boaz, and then like with a lot of the book of Ruth, we have a character who, who you might not originally think of as a character, but he is the most important character in the whole book. Who might it be? Well, early in Ruth chapter 2, the text tells us that as it turns out, as it turns out, Ruth gleans in Boaz's field. And, and this is one of the key comments in the book. That, that phrase doesn't need to be there, but it's one of those phrases that because Ruth is a very well-written book, it's there, and it actually means exactly the opposite of what it says. And we as readers should understand that what the narrator is doing is not actually saying, as it turns out. What the narrator is doing is saying, providentially, by the hand of the Lord, Let's pause for a second. The Lord is actually the key character, the main character in this book. Now, in terms of Old Testament narrative, in terms of the New Testament, in terms of the whole Bible, Ruth is not a book that gives us a whole lot of the Lord did this or the Lord said that. But what Ruth wants us to see is that the Lord, in fact, is weaving all these strands together. It is the Lord who works everything out. And so when the narrator tells us, as it turns out, what he's actually doing is grabbing us by the elbow and saying, hey, the Lord did this. Or if you want to get even more powerful, this is the narrator yelling at us, hey, the Lord made this happen. 
It is the Lord who is providing everything. God's spirit is always working. And so this is one of those moments, and we'll see a couple more as we go through, but this is one of those moments when finally we're at the top of the mountain. And we can look around, we can look back, and we can see the Lord. The Lord has been at work, even though Naomi didn't see it, and even though Ruth maybe didn't know as much of the Lord as she could, and and even though Boaz didn't see all the dynamics of what was going on, the Lord worked it all out. And when we step into these points in the Bible, when we when we are recalibrated, when we gain a new vision, then and only then do we really see, when we see from God's perspective, how life really works. This is the mountaintop when the Lord shows up. And then let's, let's think about, we talked about Boaz's identity as a man of standing, but, but what does Boaz do? Well, he's, he's identified as a redeemer. He is a refuge. He is one who, who brings back, one who provides. And what does Boaz do in this chapter? Well, he shows up in his fields and he he introduces himself, well, he's introduced as someone who really is God-focused, who is Lord-focused and how he speaks to his workers. And then he talks to the foreman of his workers and he says, hey, who's who's that person? Who, Who does she belong to? What's her connection? And commentators differ a little bit, but it seems like the foreman has kind of an adversarial relationship with Ruth at this point. He says, well, you know, she's Ruth the Moabitess from Moab, but I I let her in the field because that's kind of what we're supposed to do, right, boss? And it seems like Boaz corrects his foreman, and then he goes way above and beyond. See, the Old Testament law, there's laws that said, leave leave some around the edges for people to glean. And Boaz could have just said, ah, let her in the field, let her pick up whatever, but instead Boaz keeps bringing Ruth closer and closer and closer and closer. He talks to her and he says, gather whatever, you know, gather everything and, and don't be afraid. My men won't harm you. Get, get close to the servant girls and gather as much as you want. And then he goes to his workers and he says, hey, leave some behind. Don't just, glean, don't just leave some gleaning, but actually leave some stuff, a substance back there to provide, especially for Ruth the Moabitess. And then when it's time for a meal, he brings Ruth into the community, this needy outsider who should have should have gotten just a pittance or almost nothing from him. He says, come and eat. Share our bread. Dip it in the vinegar. Enjoy what we have. And, and he gives her so much that, in fact, she has leftovers. And then he tells her to keep gathering in her field. And this is, this is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace, kindness upon kindness upon kindness upon kindness. This is absolutely not what Ruth deserved according to the custom of the time. It's not what Ruth deserved according to even the, the better laws that the scripture gives us in terms of what's supposed to happen. This is, this is blowing all expectations totally out of the water. This is Boaz being unbelievably kind. And Boaz there, well, it's significant that he's a redeemer. And we should be, we should be thinking as we read this text Boaz is the Lord's representative here. Boaz is doing what he's doing because he's a good man, yes, but even more, Boaz is doing what he's doing because the Lord has been at work in him, and this is the kindness of the Lord overflowing through Boaz. And when we hear this word kindness in Ruth, it is a tremendously powerful, it is an an incredible word. 
It wraps up in a way we have no English equivalent for, the ideas of love and grace and long-suffering and, and compassion and generosity and graciousness. This, this word kindness is an incredibly full-orbed wor- word. And that is what, by God's grace, Boaz is extending to Ruth here. And that is what, by God's grace, Jesus has extended to all of us. And it is by God's grace what we have been equipped by Jesus to pass on to others. And so I want to ask you today as we look at this story and we see how how God's man, how this man of standing, how Boaz, how he functioned, how can we do the same thing? How can we pass on the kindness of the Lord? Now, I I heard a story when we introduced this sermon series in an evening a few weeks ago. It's from Pete Boer, so if you want more details, talk to him. But in Iowa in the old days, a few decades ago, they would, they would not harvest a few rows of their fields. And different farmers would do different things, but they would intentionally leave some of the crops in the field standing, and then, then people from the church and the Christian school would go, and they would glean. Quite literally, they would glean the edges of the fields, and then whatever they got from all the farms in the area, they would sell, and they would use that money to pay for Christian school tuition so that young people could go to Christian schools and and learn to follow Jesus. Literally, they were doing gleaning, just like how the Old Testament describes just what's described here. Now, if you are a farmer, the odds of that are pretty low if you're here today, if you are a farmer, you might think about specifically leaving some room for gleaning. But, but for the rest of us, I think it's worth reflecting where, where can we leave the margins of our lives to be generous to other people? Where can you find space in your budget or in your calendar or in your home to provide for other people? And again, back in the time of Ruth, the, the general expectation was that if you were a needy foreigner, you got, you got beat up and spit on and chased away. And in the Old Testament, God gives his people's rules that are much more generous, that you, that you provide for people in need. You leave the margins for them. But what we see in Boaz is not just the margins, but Ruth, this needy outsider, being brought in more and more and more and more and more. How can we do that? How can we do that? Can you find ways, and maybe if you've got a credit card and you get rewards, maybe that's something that you could pass those rewards on to someone else in need, or, or maybe you can leave an extra large tip the next time you're somewhere, or even leave a tip at all in an unusual circumstance, or, or maybe there's someone you know who could use a bit of help, or, or maybe there's something here at church or in the nonprofit community that you have a heart for that you can, that you can say, you know, I can, I can make that extra 10 bucks, or I can make that extra 10,000, depending on your circumstances. I can... I can leave that for someone in need. Or maybe relationally, there's someone at work or someone someone in your neighborhood or someone who you can just tell, they're kind of on the outside. They don't quite belong. Maybe there's a way you can help them out, bring them in a little bit. Maybe in your in your home life, and we never invite, like we just we don't get into people's homes anymore, but maybe there's ways that you can you can take someone out or you can invite them over, you can grab coffee, you can do something to show them that that in your eyes they belong. And maybe you can do that not just as, as another person, but as a representative of Christ. And maybe you share that, maybe you don't, but maybe you can find ways to be like Christ who came and was so generous and so kind to us. But there's, there's something we need, actually, before we can give to others. And we need to be able to look and to see what God has given us. 
And Ruth here in this text, she reaps a full, full harvest. The text tells us that she, you know, she was able to glean, she was able to gather, Boaz left some out for her, she had lunch, she had leftovers, and then she took an ephah home. And none of us know what an ephah is, right? All right, picture the biggest bag of dog food you've ever seen. Or picture those lawn bags that we often get around here, and picture that full of grain. That's an ephah. This is something Ruth would hardly have been able to carry home. Now, what Ruth would have expected probably would be to not eat that day and then, then to come home with a handful, to come home with just enough for her and Naomi to, to barely skimp by and maybe enough for the next day, and then she'd go the next day, and for the, for the six weeks or so of harvest, maybe she could get just enough that they'd kind of be able to scrape by, and instead she comes staggering home with this bag she can hardly carry that will feed the two of them for months. It is amazing. This is a tremendous, a great, a full harvest. But if we read Ruth in the, in the context of, of the whole story, in the whole biblical story, it isn't actually what's in the bag that's the harvest. It's the person carrying it. Because you see, it's Ruth the outsider who has now been brought in. This is God making a person his harvest. He is, well, he has been planting seeds, and now this person who was on the outside is being brought in. She herself is the harvest. Today is Pentecost. Today is the day in the New Testament when the Holy Spirit came down on the apostles and, and God's people and they went out and they proclaimed in new languages that Jesus has come for all of us. And on that first Pentecost day, thousands of people came in to believe in the Lord Jesus and have him as their Lord and Savior. And since then, as we've talked about a couple times today, as we talk about every year, the gospel has gone out and out and out around the whole world and brought more and more needy outsiders in. Ultimately, it is people who are God's harvest. And all of us here, we are part of that same harvest as Ruth. Many of us started out as outsiders. But by God's grace, we belong. And he provides so, so abundantly for us through Jesus and through the Holy Spirit that, that when we look at this text, when we look at the book of Ruth, we can see ourselves in Ruth's place and see how the Lord, through his Redeemer, is providing more than we need. We had hardly any right to expect anything, and God, God burdens us with so many blessings that sometimes we can hardly stand up under them. Now, sometimes those blessings are easy to see, sometimes they're hard to see, but but God is always with us and always working for us. Ruth is the real harvest in this text. We are the real harvest, God's harvest in this world. And God, God provides for us before he provides through us. So we need, we need to recognize how much God has done for us before we can do some of those things in terms of being kind to others. So before you think about and I hope you do think about But before you think about how can I be kind to others, reflect on how kind the Lord has been to you and how much he has done for you. Let's come back down the mountain, back to where we began with Naomi. So we left Naomi empty and bitter. But then at the end of this text, at the end of this chapter, Naomi, Naomi is, is she's all focused on blessing and kindness, and she is, she is full of kindness again. She she feels the Lord working in her, and it transforms everything. When Ruth comes home staggering under this load of food, somehow that does something to Naomi. And Naomi's eyes open up again. 
And I want to I read chapter 2, verse 20 again, so it's fresh in our minds. And, and then we'll talk a little bit about how Naomi has been transformed. So let me read just that verse. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And she added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. And let me read a couple sentences again. The Lord bless him, that is Boaz. He, that could be the Lord or Boaz, has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. That right there is the heart of the book of Ruth. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi is probably thinking of Elimelech and her sons and and the whole clan name and, and all of that with the dead. But for the living, she's thinking of herself and Ruth and she is seeing that God, God has been at work. And Boaz has been at work, and and grammatically it is entirely unclear if she says that it is Boaz or the Lord who is showing kindness, and that is incredibly intentional. What the narrator wants us to see is that Boaz is acting as the agent of the Lord here in showing God's kindness to Naomi and Ruth. But what what the narrator wants us to see on a deeper level is that it is the Lord himself It is God Almighty who at the beginning we saw Naomi being bitter and empty toward. It is the Lord Almighty who is making her life pleasant and full. She has gone at the beginning from, she's gone from at the beginning seeing the Lord as one who curses her to being able to see from the mountaintop how the Lord is at work in her life. She sees the kindness of the Lord. And we, in a way that the original audience, original narrator, wouldn't have been able to see, we can see the kindness of the Lord in providing Jesus as our Redeemer. In seeing how in Christ's suffering, in Him giving His life, He provided for us to be the harvest of the Lord. God has provided for us. And then, you know, in verses 22 and 23, there's this funny thing where Naomi says to Ruth, go back to Boaz's field. Keep working in that field. Don't go somewhere else. And if you're following along with the story at this point, you'd think, well, duh. She came home with a big bag of food. Why is she going to go somewhere else? But, but what the narrator is actually doing is showing us how Naomi has been transformed. Because at the beginning of the story, Naomi and her husband choose to go to the fields of Moab. They leave, they leave Bethlehem, the, the house of bread, the place where the Lord is. And they go off and they look in other fields. They are unfaithful. And Naomi comes back empty, but now she begins to see that the Lord is providing. And so what she is saying to Ruth, really, and what she is saying to us is stay in the field of the Lord. Stay where God has led. Stay where God provides. See how much God is doing. Stay close to your Redeemer. And that is the message for us today, too. Stay close to our Redeemer. Let's let's quickly take this journey again, and then we'll wrap up. So we start with Naomi, empty, bitter, no use for God, hardly anything good to say anymore. And Ruth, vulnerable, a little bit desperate on the outside. And we see how God provides this this good man, this man of standing, this mighty man, this man of noble character. And I'm talking about Boaz, but I'm also talking about Jesus. 
And in the history of the world, when we get to that mountaintop and we finally, can, we finally can see everything, which to some extent we see through the scripture, sometimes we see in this life, I think we'll have to wait till eternity to really see, but, but then we finally get the perspective we need. And we see how, we see how the Lord provides in and through Boaz and, and gives us the resources we need to be kind to others and, and shows us more than that how kind God is to us. And kind is kind of a cheap English word, but in Hebrew it is so deep and so wonderful. And then we see how Naomi, bitter, empty Naomi, finds the Lord. And she's brought back. She's brought back to the Lord Almighty. And so that is, that is where I want to invite all of us to be today. To be on the mountaintop with the Lord. To be able to see and experience the Lord's kindness and and to reflect on how we can grow deeper into his kindness, how we can receive more and more because he has so much to give us, and also how we can pass that kindness on and as Christ representative show the world that God is gracious, compassionate, truly kind and loving to his children. Receive the kindness of the Lord, pass on the kindness of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your kindness. We are grateful for all you do for us. But Lord, some of us, some of us, even if we want to believe in you, we we find our lives so hard and so empty. And some of us just don't quite know what's next and aren't quite sure what to make of you and wonder where we are and what's going to happen next. And Lord, for those of us who are more in those places, we ask that you would bless us tremendously with with the ability to see, to experience, and to, in our minds and in our hearts and in our lives, see your great kindness and care for us. And Father, some of us are so blessed that we have more than what we need, and we are in a season of thriving and flourishing. Help us to be grateful. Help us to see from your perspective and to see how you have brought all things together. And Lord, we pray that your kindness would never terminate in our lives, but instead would flow on. Help us to pass on the harvest. Give each of us eyes to see how we can provide ways either to glean or to let others glean out of what you've given us. Lord, help us to truly experience and to give your kindness. Amen.